Welcome, you're here again. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Atypical Parenting, the podcast where we find support and encouragement if we're raising or love someone on the autistic spectrum. I have to tell you that doing the podcast has just simply become one of my favorite things and it's truly the best part of my week. And as I've been sort of thinking about how to help the podcast grow, I've been watching the data and I see the numbers going up and I'm just, all I can think about is like, who are you people who are listening and what do you need and what do you want and what are you struggling with? And so I just want you to know that I am thinking about you every time I'm thinking about the podcast. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Thanks for hanging out. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that we started to talk about two episodes ago, which is burnout. And back then I talked about caregiver burnout because most of us are caregivers who are listening to this. And you know, caregiver burnout is a huge problem when you're caring for someone 24-7 or even someone who requires a lot of time and attention. That's a hard thing. And so if you haven't listened to that, go on back a couple episodes and take a listen because I think it's worth your time. Today though, we're going to flip the script and we're going to talk about burnout from the perspective of an autistic person and what is it like for them when they get burned out do they experience it the same way we do and i think the answer is no and i also think that they're at a much higher risk for burnout for a variety of reasons that we're also going to talk about the term autistic burnout is new right it's not a clinical diagnosis it's not something that you can go to your physician and get diagnosed with or given a medication for. It's similar to depression, but it's also distinct from depression. And it is a term that autistic people started using because they were experiencing this thing that nobody had a name for, and it didn't seem to apply to neurotypical people. It wasn't the same as, say, caregiver burnout or occupational burnout. And so they came up with a phrase for it that describes it a little bit better as a specific, distinct syndrome. And it's catching on because it's a real thing and it's affecting a lot of people. Researchers are just starting to catch up and they're starting to look at it now, which I think is really helpful for the autism community. And what the researchers are learning is that people, when they interview a large group of people with autism, people are describing their experience of burnout, and they're referring to a common set of symptoms that are distinct, like I said, from depression and other types of burnout. I want you to remember that there are a lot of autistic people in our world because that's why this topic is so important. If we don't understand a little bit about what autistic people are going through, we will never be able to help them reach their full potential or provide accommodations that are going to allow them to contribute to our world in the way that they are able to. The CDC estimated back in 2017 that 2.2% of adults in the United States are autistic, which translates to about five and a half million people. That number doesn't even include people who are undiagnosed. And you know that in the adult population in particular, that number of undiagnosed people is really pretty high. And so that's millions and millions and millions of people that we're talking about, well, maybe not millions, and millions and millions, but five, six, seven million people in the United States alone, adults who have autism. So if we don't spend a little bit of time trying to understand what it's like for them to live in this neurotypical world that we've designed, 
we are potentially losing out on all the resources and all the positive attributes and creativity that they bring to our society. So that's my PSA, my public service announcement for the day. But when we're talking about burnout, you know, the question that comes up is, doesn't everyone have the potential for burnout? Like, hey, everybody gets burned out. Should I get burned out sometimes, right? Well, there's a difference. And I'm going to explain to you what the difference is as we go along. Because while someone who, you know, experiences caregiver burnout or work job burnout, for example, they're going to feel chronically stressed due to the pressures of their responsibilities. But someone with autistic burnout is going to feel that same chronic stress from those same pressures and responsibilities, but they're going to add that on top of their autistic characteristics that make life hard for them already, right? It's like they're playing a golf game and they are starting with a huge handicap. And in this way, autistic traits can amplify the conditions that lead to burnout, and burnout can cause autistic traits to worsen. It's really a vicious cycle. So at this point in time, the best definition that we have is autistic burnout is a syndrome that's characterized by overwhelming, long-term exhaustion and loss of function. And that phrase is pretty simple, right? It's one line but it covers so many areas and facets of life. I'm gonna just pick it apart because by doing that, I helped myself understand and I hope it'll help you understand. But it's a syndrome. That means it's like, hey, a thing that a lot of people experience, not just one person or two people. It's a syndrome. People experience it the same, people who have autism, which means it's not just a one-on-one -on -one thing, it's a, function of our nervous system breaking down. So it's a syndrome characterized by overwhelming, overwhelming, overwhelming. Think about that word, overwhelming. When do you use that word? Personally, I use that word when I'm like, oh my God, I can't take this another second. Overwhelming. It's so all-encompassing and inescapable, whatever I'm feeling that I just can't tolerate it. It's overwhelming. I just want to like flip my shit or run away or hide or crawl in a hole. It's overwhelming. The next part of it is long-term. In this scenario, we're talking about long-term as in three or more months. Sometimes it's years that this burnout, state of burnout, occurs and hangs around. Exhaustion is the next word. We're not talking physical exhaustion alone, which is a big part of it. We're talking emotional exhaustion, mental exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion, when you don't even have the will to get up and do your dishes or to wash yourself, right? That's exhaustion. And lastly, loss of function. And I know we don't think about this often, but function is pretty, you know, pervasive. Everything we do is function. We make ourselves food. We feed ourselves. We get washed and dressed. We get out of bed on time. We get out the door to go wherever we need to go. We interact with people, with humans. We probably go to work or to school or 
to somewhere else that we need to be. We interact with our family members. We function. We take our medicine. We make sure we go to our appointments. We do a lot of things. It's functioning. So we're talking about loss of function. The other thing that the scientists, the researchers are finding is that autistic burnout appears to be a phenomenon distinct and totally unrelated to occupational burnout or caregiver burnout or even clinical depression, although obviously there are a lot of overlaps between burnout and clinical depression, especially autistic burnout. And that's a whole other topic that we will not be diving into today. But you guys know, if you're a person with autism, if you are experiencing signs of clinical depression, you need to get some help. There's a lot of good medications out there. There's a lot of really good therapists who can help you through this. Don't sit back and wait for it to go away on its own because you're wasting years of your life. So what are the symptoms? What are the symptoms of this syndrome we call autistic burnout beyond that single line sentence that we just went through? Well, I really couldn't find any specific data on this because like I said, it's a new topic that researchers are just looking into. But I did find a checklist which was developed by Dr. Alice Nichols called the ABSC. And that stands for the Autistic Burnout Symptom Checklist. You can get a copy of that on her website, which is super simple. Dr. D-R, Alice, A-L-I-C-E, Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-L-S dot com. She has a link on her website to this checklist that you can download. And you can use it as a guide to know, like, is this what we're looking at? Or is it something totally different? Uh, I found it really helpful and very concise and clear. But in the meantime, we're gonna go through some symptoms and talk about what they mean and how they might present. Because parenting, especially when you're a person with autism is an adult, it's really hard to know when to push and when to support. And maybe when to push while you support, right? Because we wanna see our children, our adult children, we wanna see them thrive and succeed when they don't have the courage maybe or the confidence right? That's our job. We're their parents. We're their family. We're their people. But there are times when the person with autism is experiencing autistic burnout and they are so shot that no matter what you do, as far as encouragement goes, it's not going to help. And so those are the times that you need to really just be supportive and get them the supportive care that they need. And sometimes that means simply cooking them a meal and bringing it to them, right? So people who are in autistic burnout, if they are stuck in the middle of it, they may experience trouble being able to complete basic ADLs and just take care of themselves. Like maybe they don't have the energy to get in the shower. You know, if your person with autism is walking around looking like you know, they rolled out of bed and their clothes are barely clean or, or not clean at all. You know, that's a problem, especially when you know darn well that they like to be clean and they like to take a shower every day. It's a problem. They might have trouble cleaning their environment. You know, hoarding is a thing in people with anxiety and anxiety is super high in autism. And so hoarding might be a thing. But if you notice that the environment is not only crowded and full of crap, um, or treasures, I should say, but if you notice that like it's dirty, the dishes aren't done, 
there's like food rotting. Things aren't put in the refrigerator like they should be, right? Like these are things that are just basic cleaning of your environment that when people are in burnout, they cannot manage to do. Cooking for themselves. Have they stopped cooking for themselves? Do they know how to cook? Do they generally like healthy meals? Do they generally love to spend time finding the right, you know, uh, flavor or consistency or making something great and all of a sudden they're eating frozen pizza and asking you to pick them up sandwiches on the way home? In the same line, grocery shopping. Grocery shopping actually does require a lot of skill and forethought and planning. But if your person with autism knows how to grocery shop and they can't seem to do it anymore, that's a change. And that is a basic activity of daily life that they may not be able to complete at this point if they're in burnout. Another thing that happens is people who are in burnout experience trouble making decisions. And so from my experience of autism, sometimes that looks like frustration, right? Like if any demands are placed on the person with autism when they're in the state and they're asked, hey, do you want, you know, like sometimes we'll order Chinese on Friday nights and you'll say, hey, do you, what do you want for dinner? What can I get you at the Chinese place? And, you know, the caregiver, we're, we're like, oh, hey, I'm doing this really nice thing. And I am expecting that the person we love and care about is going to be happy but instead they might explode. And that might not be because they don't appreciate you. It might simply be because they can't make a decision. And that act of trying to make a, a decision when everything is shut down is overwhelming and the only thing they can do is explode. Another problem that occurs is decreased social skills. You know, it's already hard when you have autism you know, making eye contact is difficult. Focusing in, in on one person that you're talking to when there's a room full of people talking in other conversations, that's really difficult. Interpreting people's language or facial expressions, that's really difficult. And so where we think, oh, just go talk to Bob because Bob's really nice, you like him, you know him, just go talk to him, that scenario may not be something that's even possible. Your person might be more irritable or less able to respond appropriately or to process appropriately, right? They might have trouble holding back their uh, stimming, right? Their sensory seeking behaviors or their tics. And so those things all make social interactions harder and leads to a decrease in the social skills functioning. In general, it's pretty consistent that autistic burnout leads to increased sensory sensitivities. So when you already have trouble with textures and noises and tastes and lights and noise, et cetera, et cetera, and then you're in a state of burnout and those things are all amplified that makes it really hard to function. Another common symptom is extreme physical fatigue, which in my mind looks like laziness, right? And I know you're with me, parents, caregivers. I know you've seen somebody that you care about laying around on the couch all day 
and you think, man, I've done three loads of laundry and taken a walk and cooked dinner and the least you could do is pick up after yourself and all you're doing is laying there on the couch. Well, honestly, if they're burned out, if they're in this autistic burnout syndrome, laying on the couch might be the best that they can do. So don't assume off the bat that they're just being, quote, lazy. Assume that they need to recharge. Assume that they're struggling. Ask them what they need instead of, you know, nagging. And I'm not like judging you because the things that I'm talking about are things that I've done, right? Like I've seen this firsthand and I've seen my shitty reaction to it firsthand as well. And I know that I did not understand what was happening. I knew that there had been a traumatic event, a really traumatic event. And I knew that all of a sudden things had changed, but I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know what to do about it. And so I just fell back on my old parenting style, which was nag and push and encourage and, you know, do all of the things that were really unhelpful. So please, when I'm talking right now, I don't want you to feel judged or feel like I'm coming after you for not knowing these things because I just want you to know. I want you to understand. And I'm not saying like, Everything is autistic burnout. I'm not saying that there should never be encouragement and pushing or uh, holding accountable for things. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when things change drastically and suddenly, particularly after a stressful or traumatic incident, you need to consider that this might be more than just whatever you think is happening, right? It might be autistic burnout. The thing that we're coming to learn and understand is that there's a reason why autistic burnout occurs and also why it's different than the neurotypical population. So why does it happen, right? Like we know why we get burned out as neurotypical people, but why is autistic burnout so much worse, so much more severe and so much more common? Well, you know, there was a study back in 2020 that came out of Portland State University, and the researcher was Dora Raymaker, and she did a comprehensive uh, interview with hundreds of autistic adults who had experienced burnout. And the study showed that there were a few variables that led to autistic burnout occurring. And they included, number one, being forced to hide autistic traits or masking. You guys know that in our society, people who are different, people who are other, are not readily accepted into any situation. So when you are autistic and you have oddities about your behavior or mannerisms that other people don't get, right? I'm not saying these things are bad, I'm just saying they're different, right? In order to fit in, in order to not be perceived as strange or a threat even, people with autism have to mask. They have to pretend. Can you imagine pretending all day? Can you imagine going to work and pretending, say, that you are from the South and you have to talk in a Southern accent all day long and you have to dress every day in a Southern outfit with your cowboy boots and your cowboy hat and you have to make up stories about your Southern relatives, right? And that's not just one day like Halloween, that's every freaking day. Now imagine how stressful that would be if you couldn't be yourself. That contributes. Another thing that she found is that 
managing the disabling aspects of autism was a big con contributing factor. You know, there are problems with sensory processing, social anxiety, difficulty interpreting social communication and interactions, uh, restricted interests. It's hard to be interested, hard to pretend to be interested in shit you're just not interested about. Uh, some in the autistic community have learning disabilities or cognitive delays, maybe a processing disorder that makes it them slower to organize their thoughts and, and respond to conversation. Uh, ADHD is also very common, trouble paying attention or getting distracted. These are disabling aspects of autism and managing them every day is really exhausting. It takes a lot of energy. So think about what this means. Let's back up. Number one, you're being forced to hide your autistic traits. Think about what this day in a life for an autistic person is like. You have to hide your autistic traits, masking, and then you have to manage all of the disabling aspects of autism as it occurs in you in your life. Thirdly, contributing factor, coping with a world that expects autistic people to perform at the same level as their non-autistic peers. So you are spinning as fast as you can while you're pretending and masking, while you are trying to process things or accommodate for your learning disabilities or differences, pay attention. And your boss is like, hey, come on, Sally's doing it quicker than you. Why are you not up to speed? All right, think about that. Another contributing factor is having their experiences and differences dismissed by others. So all those things that I just went through, I want, I want you to seriously like consider yourself a life, a day in the life of a person with autism and those things that I just went through. And now realize that when you say to your boss, well, listen, um, Sally doesn't have autism and I do. And it's much harder for me because of X, Y, and Z. And your boss is like, oh, come on, that's an excuse. Everybody's got problems. That's stressful. That's invalidating. That's hurtful. That feels like there's no hope, right? If your boss is gonna dismiss you like that, how are you ever gonna get the help you need to perform up to your potential? And lastly, a lot of people with autism don't have external support. They don't have loving families or partners. Those are all of the things that contribute to burnout. It's really important that we take all of these things into consideration for a few reasons. Number one, like I said earlier, people with autism, they may be different in some ways, but they have so much to add to our society, right? Like think about the famous people, inventors, musicians, artists, who we think now looking back were autistic. And imagine that we didn't have any of that stuff contributing to the society we live in now. It would look very differently. It's important that we reap the value that autistic people have to give us in our society. We don't want them sitting home, playing video games, or zoning out, or hiding in their mother's basements. That is not where we want people with autism, believe me. Another reason it's really important for us to validate the experience of autistic burnout and to understand it and to support it is that autistic adults are much more likely to feel suicidal. There was a study from 2018 that was published in Molecular Autism, and it found that 72% of autistic adults scored highly for suicide risk. We have these rating scales for suicide, and as a psychiatric provider, I complete them all the time with people. 
not very many people come up high risk. And these people are coming to me for depression, right? Like they're sick, they're unwell, they're struggling. The general population, high risk is about 33%. Think about that. Autistic adults, 72%. Now, when you factor in burnout on top of that, if you have a person who's already leaning towards a tendency to feel suicidal, and then they get burned out and nobody gives a shit, how likely are they to commit suicide? There isn't any data, so I can't tell you that, but in my estimation, it's probably pretty high. If the person with autism that you love experiences burnout or burnout is not addressed, it can go on for years and it can erode their independence. You know, people who are heading in the right direction, maybe getting to college, maybe working, maybe finding relationships or friendships or partners, if they get burned out, if they experience an autistic burnout, they can lose all of that. And it can take them years, if ever, to get it back. So this is not something that we need to just dismiss or say, oh, it's another one of those things that autistic people are complaining about. No, it's real. It's important. So what do we do to address it? Again, just like caregiver burnout, it's about self-care. But the person who's in autistic burnout, like we said earlier, might not be able to engage in self-care. They might not even be able to get their asses off the couch or out of the bed. The key is to catch the burnout before it becomes all-encompassing or overwhelming. And when you can do that, here are some steps that you take. You make sure you get enough sleep. Sleep is a challenge for the best of us. But in the autistic community, insomnia is a core symptom. It just is. Most people with autism struggle with sleep. They have trouble falling asleep, they have trouble staying asleep, they have trouble staying on the same sleep cycle as the rest of the race, the human race, where the sun you know, comes up and we wake up and the sun goes down and you go to sleep. With autism, it's not always like that. Your body clock doesn't always work the same. And so sleep is already a challenge, but in order to avoid burnout getting worse, it's really essential. So whatever you need to do, if you need to take supplements, or provide massage, a hot bath, totally tweak the uh, sleep hygiene, like the environment, the darkness in the room, like all of these things. Go to town on it because it's really important. And as a last resort, if you need a medication, don't be ashamed to get one or to help your person with autism get one because without sleep, our brains cannot regenerate. They cannot reboot, so to speak. Another way to remediate it is to find social connection that works. And that's going to be another hard one when they're heading toward or they're in the beginning stages of an autistic burnout. Because social interactions are going to be all the more difficult. But finding a social connection that works is possible. Things like sitting with your loved one to have a cup of tea together and maybe not even talking. Or to watch a movie together or to have regular phone calls or texting if calling or talking is too much. Stay in contact. Don't just let them isolate. Don't say, oh, they'll come through it. They'll get away. No, they need you. So be there for them in whatever way works for them. It's not about what works for you. It's not about what you think they need. It's about what they need and what they can tolerate. So ask them, offer to be a support for them and ask them how you can do that for them. They'll tell you. 
Another option for social connection is on the internet. And you know, I'm not a big fan of the internet and you know, virtual relationships, but for the autistic community, sometimes that's really, really valuable. It's a place where they can be seen and heard and feel connected. There are also online support groups for people with autism, and I did talk about those. I don't have them written down in front of me, but an online autistic support group is a really great way to get connected to other people who understand what you're going through when you're heading towards autistic burnout or you're suffering from it. One of the best ways to keep people with autism from burning out will be to increase accommodations before it happens, right? In their workplace, at school, wherever they might spend some time. They might benefit from quiet spaces to work, from noise-canceling earphones, from longer lunch breaks or time to be outside in the sunshine for just slow walks around the track, maybe. They might need alternative lighting or a space that's not as bright with overhead lights, which for some reason we have in every school building in America. Autistic people will benefit from consistent schedules, predictable. They don't do change well. They don't do transition well. They need to know what to expect. We can help them with that, that's simple. Another thing that might help is having a support person with them. When things are hard, when your person can't quite get to the grocery store, offer to take a ride, right? Offer to walk through the aisles with them, even if it takes a really long time. Offer to do whatever they need you to do. And again, you're gonna find that out by asking them. If your person is really deep in autistic burnout and it's been going on for a long time and there's no signs that it's remitting or letting up at all, you really need to get professional help for them because at that point you are really risking a severe depression. And with depression, we know comes suicidal thinking and suicidal actions. And I know how much you love your person with autism, your son, your daughter, your spouse, your loved one. I know how much you love them or you wouldn't be listening to this episode. So please believe me when I say that this is a serious topic. Don't let it just go on and on. Get them some help. And that may mean a virtual appointment with a provider because they can't get out of the bed or out of the house. Whatever you have to do to get them some help is what you need to do. Or you risk losing them. Don't let that happen. I want to encourage you, after all of that doom and gloom, <laughs> I want to encourage you that when you have a person, a child, an adult, a loved one, experiencing burnout, and it's gone on for years, and you're like, what the heck is happening? What is going on? You start to lose hope. But when they start to come out of it, when they start to heal, when they start moving forward again in life, it's like watching the flowers bloom one by one. Honestly. I can't tell you what a joy it is to see the person who hasn't been able to get out of their own way start to clean their house. Not only clean their house, but clean it spotless, like, you know, they're gonna eat off their floor. It's amazing. It's the best feeling. When the person that you love who's been burned out says to you, hey, you wanna go out for the afternoon and have sushi? It's just, it's a beautiful thing. 
And it's not perfect, it's not easy. Every day is not gonna be a success. But those small successes are going to very slowly over time evolve into a more healthy and happy and well-functioning, well-adjusted human that you want your loved one to be. So don't give up. Hold tight for that day when they start to come around. And remember, you are in it to support them. You are there to support. You are not there to judge or to dictate or to tell them what to do. You are simply there to support. Ask them what they need. And to your best ability, do that thing that they need. There may be times you can't do it, and that's okay. That's a healthy boundary, right? You gotta take care of yourself first, like we talked about in caregiver burnout. If you're burned out, you're not gonna be able to be a good support. So take care of yourself, and then ask your person what they need so that you can be the kind of support that will help them move forward and to pull themselves out of this autistic burnout. I want you to know that whatever you're going through today, I have faith in you. I know this episode has not been terribly uplifting or motivating or even encouraging, but if it spares you pain in the future, especially the pain of losing this person that you love, then it is well worth it this time you've spent with me today. Now have a good week. Get out there. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. And I'll see you next time. Bye.